Welcome to Soundcheck Flicks. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to hit the like button and share with your friends. We like to have more people checking this out each week, especially uh, especially if you're a movie fan or a fan of uh, music in general. Uh, we've got a great episode today. A uh, time period I lived here in San Diego, uh, 1982 film, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Graham Stevens is here, and our guest, Matt Bennett, legend. Hello, boys. Nice to have you here. It's great to be here. Thank you for the invite. I'm very excited about this one. You are. Yeah. You are kind of a Spicoli-like character. Uh, in a I way. knew you were gonna say that. Except but, for yes. you don't smoke any weed. <laughs> I don't smoke weed. No. But you have a, a drawer full of it at home. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just for friends and family. That's that for friends by. and family. Yeah, my mom smokes a lot. But uh, your mom does. No, just <laughs> Sorry, mom, if you ever see this. But um, no, I do not smoke weed. You did just come out of the water, though. <laughs> I just came out of the water. I thought it'd be fitting. Yeah. Yeah, you so were I surfing went, it this morning. Yeah, that's great. Went, Came straight here. Graham, um, it's good to see you again. Thank you. Did you have a nice week? I'm having a great week. Yeah, we had a great Halloween. We just we just passed the great ho- the holiday known as Samhain. I know it's kind of funny. We mm. went as each other this year. <laughs> People <laughs> seem to think that. Yeah, we are brothers from another mother, and we do have some good Midwest connections. Of course, you from Kansas yeah. City. Me, uh, my family originally from uh, Minnesota. Where's your family originally from, Matt Bennett? Um, mom and dad went to Downey High School, if you know where that is. It's L.A. Okay. okay. Um, so you're I, a true and true Southern Californian growing true, up here. Yeah. Yeah. My dad was born uh, somewhere in L.A. My mom was actually born in, in Iowa, but took the so, family yeah. out to go see Disneyland. They never left. So that, that's it, huh? Yeah that's, how, yeah. that's how my, mom, my mom's family ended up here. I grew up in Ventura County myself. Um, yeah. 805. When did you end up in San Diego? 1998. This is after high school and after high school. College? Yeah. What brings you to San Diego? The waves? No, no, not at all. The waves are better up there, actually. But um, I went to San Diego State University. Got a oh, couple okay. degrees. Of course. Yeah. And then uh, is this where the band Dorado Gold forms? Actually, that... yeah, 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 yeah. So it's... does that come out of SDSU, kind of? It did. None of the other guys went to college there. Oh. Um, I don't even know if they went to college, but um, I saw a flyer on a wall. Like, looking for a drummer, you know, I'm like, oh, I just want to fucking play, you know? So, called these guys, they were cool at the time, and, uh, yeah, started that band and did some stuff. Well, that's how I meet you, of course, is through the band Dorado Gold. That was a long time ago. Uh, but then you you joined this other band from the East Coast. The Bloody Hollies I was yeah, in for a long time. Yeah, and I was a fan time. of the Bloody yeah. Hollies before they, well, basically the main guy, relocated to San Diego and, and yeah. has the band here. So, I got to have a nice run of supporting uh, the bloody hollies over the years which was was super cool and we fun. always appreciated the support 100 percent. yeah and what else you been up to i mean what's going on lately i know you've been been working, working out a lot behind the scenes <laughs> uh, at, at various venues in town and still doing music i'm actually excited to hear this new project uh, called steve yeah yeah so scott's living with us we have a bunch of musical projects in the works going on um I'm playing drums and dig as well now. So you are. we're actually. Oh, yeah. so did you play the Lucy's for Coach? I played the show here. Oh, okay. That was that was my first show with the band. That was really fun. Um, the band's all kind of like half in LA, and then Scott and I are the only two guys in San Diego. But uh, yeah, we're actually gonna be putting out a record later on this year. Some label on the East Coast. Don't remember what they're called, but they want to put it out for us. All uh, vinyl release sort of thing. So I'm looking forward nice. to that. Yeah, and then playing in Steve, which we're just a two piece. We're we're kind of, um, it's just drums. I play with like bass tracks and like click through headphones. And then Scott, you know, I sing as well, which has like been a, a obstacle for me to overcome. Oh. I was always scared to do that, but I kind of just scream and shit. So nice and yeah. shit. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's called Steve, and, Steve. Uh, and they're going to be playing Steve. at the Casbah November 21st. Correct. November yes. 21st. Looking forward to that one. No interest and field rush. Uh, all local okay. Bill Knight. So when's the first time you saw Fast Times at Ridge Run High? Came out in 1982. Of course, the most amazing thing about the film is that it's based on a novel that Cameron Crowe wrote, and he lived as a student for one year in 1981 at Claremont High School right here in San Diego, even though the film right. is based in the San Fernando Valley. Right. Um, but there are strong comparisons to everything I grew up with. Uh, but when did you first see the film? Damn. Um, I, I, I guess it was, I was probably like a freshman in high school, you know? So kind of like seeing, I remember seeing that film and, and like being able to relate a lot to it, surprisingly. Different generation, I guess. I was born in 1980, so two years after I was born, that film came out. But, uh, sure. but yeah, so I, some, sometime in high school. Yeah. Just on a VHS? Fucking probably, yeah. Okay. I don't know if we had DVDs at that point, did we? It would have been VHS. It DVDs been... came more towards the end of the 90s, so. Yeah, so yes, yeah, so VHS. Or it was always on HBO, too. Like, you Maybe, may have just yeah. seen it on there all the time. <laughs> like, that's how I saw it all the time. Yeah, that could have been the case. I don't remember, but... But I, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a, for many reasons, that film kind of sticks out. And for, that's one of the reasons I, I chose that film. You know? And it, so yeah. Spicoli and specifically being a surfer, is that something that drew you in? <laughs> you relate like, to that character? I mean, yeah, no. Like if I come to the Casbah where we're at right now, I, I'm a surfer. You guys all know this about me. Um, all my friends that maybe don't surf, they always like go, Johnny. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's how all my friends in the music community refer to me or, or salute me, I guess, greet me. Um, so I can relate to certain things, yeah. Did you ever have a cannabis era in your life that you consumed cannabis? No, I remember smoking, well, I mean, I, you know, I smoke a little weed, I guess. I did. Nothing like Spicoli. Nah. You didn't, you didn't fall out of a bus I in think a cloud I, of smoke. Multiple times. Hot boxing. I think I smoked weed at a party in high school one time, and, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't actually weed. <laughs> so, like, I had a bad experience. Maybe it was some I bought some oregano once up at Balboa Park. No, it was, it was like some <laughs> dust maybe in that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I don't really – it's never been my thing. But, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm a surfer, of course. What is your thing? I like to work out a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing some yoga outside, yes, you know. Um, How long should you hold the stretch for? 30 seconds. 30 seconds. My brother told me that, yeah. So um, this film, I mean, it captures such an essence of the time period, especially for me. I mean, my that that's my high school days. I was probably in ninth grade when he's writing that, technically. And I grew up on Mount Soledad looking towards the Claremont area. I used to go to Claremont Square uh, and see movies all the time. So it's... It definitely is relatable to my life experience, and it captures kind of what was going on here. Now, you're in Kansas City? Yeah, I'm near film? Kansas City. I was in Wichita. So you see this film in 82? Oh, yeah. And uh, I saw it probably on, not in the theater. I probably saw it on HBO. Okay. Probably a year or two after it came out. And, I mean, right away, you're just you're drawn into it. And uh, it's just, it's got these amazing, I was just going into junior high or something at the time. Okay. Like, but it just, there's these characters, and you just know these people. Yeah. You know Damone. You know Ratner. <laughs> yeah. You know, these are just, you know Linda. I wish I knew Phoebe Cates. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll, oh. we'll talk about that maybe. Yeah, we'll, but, uh, we'll all write a collective love letter knows, to her. Everybody knows that. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, she's kind of a snob, too. But we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But you just knew these people and the way they dressed and, and you know, just, I mean. Super the, relatable. The impact of the movie, to me, can be summed up in Spicoli's shoes. Yeah. I mean, Vans. Yeah. 
Vans was a California company that just made like shoes for people that lived here in California. Like that, those checkerboard vans became iconic. Like everyone had to have those after that. It went world. Vans went worldwide after right, that. Right. Like that's that's it's like a Reese's Pieces ET moment. Like yeah. you just take this product and just take it next level. And this movie had such heat that it made Vans. I mean, and look what all the great stuff Vans has done for us and over the year with the Warp Tour and, I and like X the Games shorts. and all the shit. Like, all the shorts had reasonable lengths on them, unlike in Sleepaway Camp, you know? <laughs> it's like they, they moved past the Sleepaway Camp era of the dudes in two sh and that, the, Yeah, anyway. The fashion well, statements the were great. With feathers and hair. Did yeah. you see all the roach clips with feathers yeah. that, that the girls were wearing? Dude, I love that look. I thought like, it was great. I want my next girlfriend to have feathers in her hair like that. <laughs> the Pat Benatars? Yeah. Uh, the Pat Benatars. There were three Pat oh, Benatars man. running around the school. My friends sometimes call me Matt Benatar. <laughs> <laughs> That's true as well. True story. But yeah, no, I, I think like what kind of what you're saying, Graham, too, is like, like, I personally can relate to like not just the Spicoli. Yes, I surf and stuff. You know, may have long hair, but uh, like I can relate to like even like the the Ratner character a little yeah. bit. Like to total, I was a total nerd. You know, like sure, sure. I didn't really hit my prime. Still haven't yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Amy Heckerling talks about that. You know, in that era in the early '80s, like these are they're kids, but they're really little adults. Like, yeah. they all have jobs. Mm -hmm, they yeah. all are trying to be manager, like Brad's manager at All-American Burger. Like, they're just, they're, they're already on this upward climb, and they have all these things they have to do, and they're just still kids. Yeah. And Did you ever they, have a fast food job? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Where but, were you? Uh, I was at a taco place. Uh, uh, taco Grande was the name taco of the place. Grande. Yeah, that it was means, a chain in the Midwest. Big taco okay. in, in yeah. English. But I had a buddy who worked at a rival taco spot in town who was the same age as me. And he was a manager in high school, you right. know? Huh. I mean, this that stuff in the 80s and 90s went on. I don't know if it still does, but you would see some high school kids in the management team at a fast now food spot. Now you see <laughs> full-grown adults working in fast food yeah, restaurants. It's not as much like the high school <laughs> yeah. job as it used to be represented. Yeah. There's just, it's just this perfect little time capsule of all those things, you know? It's And it's not just the checkerboard vans. It's There's a moment near the end where Stacy gives her photo to Rat. Yeah. Right before the closing credits. You remember when you would yeah, get those sheets yeah, of photos yep. and you'd give them out the extra to, ones you got and you would pass yeah, it out. Yeah, you give them out to a girl easy, you liked yeah, or whatever. Yeah. That's basically Remember what she's me doing this there. summer. Yeah. So I'm like, I for, totally forgot about that. You know, that that was a thing once upon a time. We've lost that in this social media world where everything sure. is just shared online now. But it was kind of cool to have a girl walk up to you and hand you a photo and you're like, oh, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, the kids Makes even get yearbooks anymore. Inside. What's yeah. that? I said, do kids even get yearbooks anymore and sign yearbooks? They, yeah, they I must think it's still a thing, the, but... That analog thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that for me, you know, it represents, okay, so 1977, the University Town Center Mall opens here in San Diego. Um, that's just, at 1977, I'm just starting to become, you know, 12, 13, and then becoming... Uh, a teenager finally getting away from my parents. So you have the mall. That, I mean, here in San Diego, they had the 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 um, yellow brick road arcade, the the ice skating rink, and then all the food court, and then had the movie theater there. Not quite yeah. like the Galleria, but they very easily could have shot the movie here in San Diego. Oh yeah, I, I think like anywhere in Southern California. That's another reason I kind of I grew up in Southern California. Like I, unlike you, we were talking about this earlier, Graham. Like. You said it was kind of like a different world, like yeah. L.A. or, or yeah, our San malls Diego, didn't look whatever. like those malls. Right, they were very generic. Mm -hmm. 
Like that, it looked like another universe. It looked very cool. <laughs> right, otherworldly. Yeah, futuristic almost. But I've always wanted to go to the Galleria. I mean, I've driven past. I don't. Does it even exist anymore? No. They've torn that it's down, been right? Turned into something else now. It's only one level now, I think. Okay. I think I saw that on the documentary. Great scenes yeah. in that in that mall, not just from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but other movies as well, I believe. Right? They Didn't yeah. They do the Terminator. One of the Terminators. One of those. Yeah. They had to oh, film yeah. overnight. In that right. mall, in they the had mall, to go from nine p.m. or ten p.m. whatever after it was closed till nine in the morning or whatever. And they used real brands, right? It was all the real oh, brands yeah. in the mall, so it was Hot Dog on a Stick. Oh, and, absolutely, yeah, and Swiss Colony. If you see the credits, <laughs> it lists all the stores in the mall, in the mall. and they thank them. I, I remember one, not to interrupt you guys, but uh, this kind of like I can relate to this too. Like, there's a uh, record store it's called Licorice Pizza. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Which do you? Oh yeah, there was one in Pacific Beach. It's uh, in the, the movie. I frequented quite yeah. a bit. I met the Thompson twins there. They used to do you know in stores and have artists come by. That oh. was. I mean, I bought. I remember buying Public Enemy albums there and just buying stuff based on the album cover. Not even yeah. you know, yes. even having a fucking clue. Absolutely. What I was buying almost. Yeah. You know? You I, would buy Asia's album just because of that dragon I mean, rising the, out of the water album races. cover, like. <laughs> Guns N' Roses was like that. I mean, and especially Public Enemy. Yeah, buying, buying I still kind of do one. that, actually. Well, what yeah. I also loved was the, the scene at Licorice Pizza in the movie is when um, uh, Rat is being told by Damone how he needs to, you know, the, th the tricks to pull out a chick, you right. know, to ask a the chick five, out on a date. The five things. Yeah, and Licorice Pizza is the background. And if you look on the racks, they've got the albums going all the way down across. You remember how they used to... They used to, you know, showcase them like that. Yeah, yeah. And it looks super cool. Pieces and I missed that. Yeah. Like, because now you go and it's just all everything's thrown into the racks and there's not really much displayed. No. And it just, the stores always looked so cool back That's then. That's why I have yeah. to go to Amoeba anytime I'm, I don't even buy anything in that place, but just to go into a music store with just. Let's get sensory that. overload. Yeah. Like Damone's bedroom with all the posters oh. and things, you know, <laughs> and to be able to walk into some place and just have that feeling, you know, of going to a licorice Spicoli's pizza. bedroom was funny too. All the yeah. posters on the wall. Yeah, lots of. Lots Should we of... just bring up the bedrooms right now? Let's do. We, <laughs> we do this on the show. We talk okay, about the bedrooms. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. So, so the, the really funny thing about that is Spicoli's room is straight up surfing ass. Yeah, like it's just all surfing shots right? and pinups. Yeah, that's the whole room. There's not a music <laughs> reference on his wall. Right. It's all surfing ass. Stacy's room is by far the worst. Like that is the bedroom of a virgin. Like, right. That's she has a, a canopy bed. I think it, it's terrible. <laughs> there's no music post. There's no posters on the uh -huh. wall whatsoever. It's like macrame. Very virginly. Yeah, and it's just like it's a guest room at grandma's. Like right, right. She has a very terrible bedroom. Um, now Damone's bedroom. Now we'll get into him as a character. But his bedroom is fucking badass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, he's got so much Elvis Costello. We got the Rolling Stones tattoo you poster. He's got the B-52s, Pete Townsend, Buzzcocks. Here's the part that blows my mind. He's got a bar in his bedroom. <laughs> There's a point at the end where he's talking to uh, like Rat towards, you know, in the second sure, half sure. of the film. And he's... He's got a little fucking bar on his wall and he's making them black Russian or white Russians and shit. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's he always, actually has a bar in his bedroom. So and he's he, supposed to be 18, I'm assuming. I mean, he clearly looks like he's physically the oldest person in that movie, you know? There's sure. a scene where he's like saying his must his mustache is growing in, where like he clearly can grow a fucking mustache, right. you know? So that's kind of funny. But I just know that you said that he's always drinking like milk. Do you think yeah. they're white Russians? Well, it's that or Yoohoo. It's one or of the two. Okay, yeah. But he's pulling out liquor bottles and he's making him and Rat drinks. And I'm just like, 
Dude, Damn. he's a, I'm a sophisticated the man. The you know how he was. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and it was smooth. also it was also a little sidecar bar like you would have on a motorcycle, right. but it was mounted on the wall. It just pay attention that next time you watch that scene, it's like, holy shit, that's crazy. And he's got a car door on the other wall. His room is just insane. But I gotta admit, for a douchey character, it's a great bedroom. Like it's one of the better yeah. teen bedrooms we've we've you had. Still so sympathize far. with it's, the guy. He's not, you know, yeah, it's cool riff, musical taste. Right? It's Riff like, Randall level yeah. good. Yeah. Like, yeah, I liked the bedroom. I liked his. Uh, Spicoli's was great, of course. Mr. Hand was... <laughs> the way Mr. Hand looked at all the nude women on the wall was great. It's fun to it's watch that on actual television, those scenes. Oh, and they see blur the blur. Yeah. <laughs> the weird blurs on the... Because there's a lot of pinups of girls in this room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's get into these characters. Uh, these these There's like a half a dozen main characters here that are kind of the focus of the whole thing. So what are your... So what are your feelings on Jeff Spicoli? Okay, I mean, well, one of the things I like, like you just said, there's there's not just one character. There's kind of different stories. You know, not to, I'm not a movie critic or anything like that, but if you really look at the movie and you really watch it a couple times, it's it's more than just like your like coming of age kind of comedy, I think. Um, and because there are so many like kind of different like things all happening at the same time with these different characters. So Jeff Spicoli, I mean, like I said earlier, um, <laughs> I mean, it, that's Sean Penn's greatest work. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> he wins like, the Academy I, Award for Milk, and this is his greatest work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen that movie too, but like, this is his greatest work, if you ask me. Yeah. Maybe that's a controversial statement. No, I I, actually, but, it's um, not. I, I um, think this was the movie that sealed it for me with Sean really? Penn. In the 80s, when I was a kid, I loved him. And I think it had a lot to do with this. Now, sure. he had some other good ones, right? You I'm, know, but I this mean, was the one. Yeah, there's a scene where, you know, like he, he crashes. Uh, uh, Jefferson's car, right? Of course. Yes. He's gonna kill him. He's gonna. He's, he's gonna, gonna shit. shit. And then he's gonna. Yeah. Of course he's gonna well, shit. Which, which then he's, he's gonna, gonna kill us. <laughs> which is it, man? So and of course his dad's a TV repairman. He's got this ultimate set of tools. <laughs> he can fix it, right? Yeah. So he fixes it. But then the next scene, it's like him, like the big foot before the big football game, and, and he's wearing just like this beanie that's perched on top of his head, and he's just standing in the back of like the crowd. To me, that shit was hilarious because he's just like kind of. He's kind of seeing how this is going to play out because <laughs> consequences are pretty grave, right? And it just worked out like super funny. The way his face looks just makes me laugh, yeah. honestly. Um, Forrest Whitaker like, in one of his first roles, too. It was his right? first big break. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that is just uh, Amy. Amy <laughs> talks about he came in for the uh, casting and he was a stage guy and he uh, just nailed it. He was, you know, a big dude anyway, yeah. but he was just so terrific in the audition. And she, they pretty much told him he got the part right away. And then she said he, as he, she looked out the window as he was going to his car, and he was skipping. <laughs> <laughs> no he, way. He was so happy. Yeah. And I was uh, just like, that's you know, you always figure Forrest Whitaker is a pretty cool dude, but that kind of sealed it right there. Like, and how yeah. crazy is it? There's three best actors on this set. Three guys went on to win best sure. actor awards. We have Sean Penn for Milk. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker for Last King of Scotland. And then we got Nick Cage leaving <laughs> leaving Las Vegas. <laughs> Eric so we Stoltz got, has never won an Academy no. for anything. But three guys have went on to win it. I mean, God damn, your cast is stacked. I Isn't mean, that pretty cool? That's pretty like, damn cool. I mean, your cast is hella stacked. Of course, stacked. he was Nicholas Coppola in this film. Yes. Um, and Sean Penn just stayed in that character. He had Jeff Spicoli on his dressing room door. No one was allowed to call him anything but Spicoli or Jeff. You were not allowed to call him Sean, ever. Like, if you called his house while he was filming that... 
he he wouldn't answer it, to Sean. Like he was <laughs> in that character. He never left it. Right. And it's kind of fun that they were like, you know, at the end of it all, he showed up to one of the uh, to one of the rap parties or something. And he was going around introducing himself to all the people he just worked with for months. And he was shaking their hands and saying, hi, I'm Sean. <laughs> That's crazy. And then people would ask him about, you know, what, what happened to that Spigoli guy? And he goes, he's up on the screen. And he had the best response. He's like, I left him on the screen. I'm done with this part. And now I'm back to being Sean. Well, that's that's why I say, like, you know, in my opinion, that's Sean Penn's best work. It's kind of tongue in cheek, I guess, when I say that, because I know he's done these amazing films and stuff. But he really did a great job yeah. of your, like, quintessential Southern California surfer stoner dude, which we all, I mean, maybe you didn't because, you, again, you, you, you didn't grow up here, but I had those fucking friends. Yeah. Uh -huh. Like I can relate to parts of the of Spicoli as well. I mean, yeah. Well, okay. On, so you know? what makes Sean Penn so great is just a couple years after this, he does just one of my favorite cult movies of the '80s, a film with Christopher Walken called At Close Range, where he plays another teenager who deals with his father being a, you know, he's a notorious local thief, and everyone knows is Madonna him. in that. Madonna sings the song, okay, uh, you know, it. "Live to Tell." But yeah. he he is, you know, he's not a part of his family, but his father comes back into his life, and he becomes a part of the family business. And it's just a couple years after that, but Sean is playing a completely different teenager. Yeah. And he's just mesmerizing. I yeah. mean, and that's when I kind of knew those one-two punches. I was like, this guy's going to be the next great actor. Like, <laughs> he can really do anything. How long was he? He married Madonna, too, They right? were married briefly for a couple yeah. years, yeah. And then he got out of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't? He Who was punching photographers, and her, her career was blowing through the uh. roof, and... But yeah, he's amazing. He idolized Robert De Niro. I yeah. Mean, and Robert was a method actor, and that's why Sean was a method actor. Uh, apparently, Jennifer Jason Lee or Stacey Hamilton, she was also kind of a method actor. She also was of that era. And, okay. You know, she was only 19, but they talk about those nude scenes with her that uh, she was just at ease. She didn't. She wasn't bothered by it at all. Like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, she. I thought. Everybody, every character in that movie, whoever, I don't know their, their actual names, but most of them, but um, they all did such great jobs, in my opinion. Judge like, Reinhold, I mean, oh, they, he, they're just, they're... Yeah, he, he, he's trying to climb the corporate ladder, keeps on getting shit on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Judge... You know, like... And Judge was dating a woman that lived next door to Amy Heckerling, the director, and they couldn't find Brad. They were just... They nailed down some of the other roles, but they were really struggling with Brad. And Nicholas Cage was right there. He was going to be Brad. That's why he's Brad's friend. Brad's friend, yeah. But he uh, he lied about his age. He was only 17. <laughs> and yeah, so Nick lied about his age and got, you know, they had to, they could only work him a certain amount of hours because wow. he was under 18. And, oh, wow. and then they thought he was a little darker, Brad. They thought Judge was a little more of a happy Brad. Yeah, a yeah. little more relatable. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the boy next door. Yeah. yeah, the thing I like about Brad, uh, aside from him masturbating to Phoebe Cates, which I think we can all relate to, <laughs> what is... song playing? <laughs> Moving in stereo, the car. That... Yes. I mean, How can come you hear that on, song dude. now without thinking about whacking it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, whacking but he... it in San Diego. Remember exactly. when that guy did that? Exactly. South Park. South Park made fun of it. Wait, what happened? The the guy from uh, the oh yeah the Coney the thing. Coney 2012 thing that was masturbating in the streets and then Crown Point or whatever. And him just whack. It in public. And then it. South Park made fun of it and they made a whole song and it's yeah, like this know. it's like this fifties ditty wagging it, wagging it, wagging it, wagging it. That's when you know you've made it. South Park yep. makes fun of you. But here's the thing I really like about Brad. Um 
when his sister, we hit the we hit the hard part of the movie where the abortion situation crops up, yeah. and Brad gives his sister a ride to the bowling alley because she lied to him, and yeah. you know, Damone doesn't show up to give her a lift yeah. or pay for half of it because yeah. he's a dick bag, and Brad gives her a ride over there, and then susses it out that something's going on. Yeah. And he's there for a sister. He's a rad brother. He is a rad, rad brother. Because like, his fifteen, moment. yeah, his fifteen-year-old sister just walked out of an abortion clinic, and the first thing he's is like, "Is don't worry about it. I'm not going to tell mom. This is going to be your yeah. secret." Think of how real that was, and how many times that has happened to somebody, young woman, and I mean, it's horrific. It, yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, you know, it's a comedy, of course, and again, like I said, it's a coming-of-age comedy, so there's definitely those parts, but that's real-life shit. Mike Damone, Robert Romanus. Let's get into Damone, the most, <laughs> contra- the most controversial guy in the movie. Yeah. So, so on one hand, you know, here's one thing I love. So you remember when uh, uh, Stacy first kind of gets the feelings for him. She kind of starts falling for Mike. And she, she has this sheet where she draws herself and him, a little cartoon of them. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she has pros and cons written on there. And one of the pros that she has on Mike is that he loves music. So even Stacy realizes that music lovers like us, it's a pro. Like For the most part, yeah. <laughs> so he does have the great music bedroom. He is a ticket scalper, which is whatever. Well, in his, in his uh. words, he's actually not a scalper. What, what is he? He says he's something else, but yes, of course, he's a scalper. I love when yeah. he says, when it comes to making out whenever possible, <laughs> put on side one of Led Zeppelin 4. Did he put on side one? <laughs> no, he failed. <laughs> So the story with that was they couldn't get a song from the four, from Led Zeppelin four. Okay. They, so they, but they did offer them Cashmere. So it's like really, it, yeah. So it's got to get old to be Amy Heckerling or Cameron Crowe. People keep coming up to you and pointing that out, and they're like, "Hey, man, we tried to get a song from number four. Led Zeppelin didn't give their songs out at that time to movies and stuff." That makes it great. That scene's great though, because yeah. like the song is just not fitting for what he's trying no, to do. No, he's a nerd. He got the song wrong. And then here he's taking this girl to a beautiful. date and this song is ominous. Yeah. So it does it doesn't provide, you know, the atmosphere that it needs to. So but it you know, it's probably my favorite Led Zeppelin song. I love Cashmere. Small details, man. Yeah. There's People a lot of small on details. Lewd should not drive. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Oh, Spicoli's got when so many. When a guy many. has an orgasm, how much comes out? A, a quarter so. <laughs> a quarter so. No, and then there's that scene where, where Stacy and Linda are talking about how long guys last, and they're both slicing a giant sausage I know. as they're talking about how long guys last. That's scary, man. But isn't that like, I mean, somebody thought about that. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. It's it's great, like yeah. all the small things. And they're both like both bullshit, and like he's course. like, oh, Damone lasts fifteen minutes, and Linda's like, my boyfriend goes 30, 40 minutes, and you're like, your your boyfriend, wink, wink, like. There's there's yeah, there's the other scene which of course I'm sure you guys remember too, where where Brad's cleaning the mirror, you know, and he's like talking to himself. He, I was gonna how was, how was gonna break up with his chick, right? <laughs> Again, because he's got all these things going on, but meanwhile he's like erasing this graffiti that says big hairy pussy <laughs> it was like that's fucking brilliant that's art that's so 82 <laughs> <laughs> linda barrett phoebe cates let's just get into our love letter now, here man, come on i don't uh, even know where to begin i mean she was who does she was the epitome of beauty at yeah. that moment that time like yep. just owned it like yep 18 year old model from new york city had done a little bit of acting but she gets the tryout. Her- she seemed very exotic. I don't know what her ethnic background is, but she always seemed um, 
mixed race. I, believe, I don't know. I just maybe. everyone mm. fell in love with yeah. her. I mean, it, I think we would have fell in love with her even if she hadn't done the topless scene, but yeah. that didn't hurt. No. <laughs> As someone who worked in video for years, I can tell you that we got a lot of copies of this returned and it was stopped at a particular point. <laughs> <laughs> so you could kind of tell that there were times when this wasn't rented necessarily for the whole film. I mean, but like, you know, talk, we, we're at the Casbah here, so this is a music club. I, I relate like that song moving in stereo to that scene. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. every time I hear that song, you want to work for it? worse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Does anybody knock anymore, dude? Like, <laughs> Can you guys like, keep it down? I got some work to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I mean, god, come on. that would and he had a uh. Judge Reinhold, and when they're filming that scene, when Phoebe comes in behind him, he brought a giant dildo into the set on the <laughs> set that day and had it there in his hand, and that's what Phoebe's reacting to. Are you serious? That's totally serious. Amy, it, Amy Heckerling talks about that. Does, on, and on he's the wearing his, uh, his don't see uh, the fish fry uniform, isn't he? He is. Yeah, yeah. It's not Long John Silver's, is it? No, no. it's a Long John's knockoff. Yeah. but It's, it's funny they use knockoff for the Long John's and... The burger place, right? Those all American burgers. They weren't real places, but then in the mall, you have all the, the real businesses. Yeah, because yeah. they're not going. They got no money to. Change. It's cheaper <laughs> just to pay to use them. Plus, things were probably cheaper to license a hot dog on a stick back then. Yeah, but I mean, Phoebe just went on to be the girl of the '80s. Like you know, there was all those girls we loved, like Elizabeth Shue and so on. But and Amanda Wiss is in here. She's she's uh, Lisa. Judge Reinhold's girlfriend. Mm -hmm. She yeah. was in Nightmare on Elm Street and, yep, and yep. Better Off Dead. And that had me cracking up watching the dumping scene when she's dumping Brad towards the end of the movie. That actress, Amanda Wiss, gives almost the exact same speech at the beginning of Better Off Dead when she's dumping John Cusack. Uh, really? It's time to move on. We're, we're both seniors. I think we, we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to ourselves. <laughs> she's giving him the same speech in two movies. Wow. Yeah. And then, she, of course, horribly, she gets murdered by Freddy Krueger at the beginning of Nightmare on Elm Street. But yeah, there was just those two of those it girls, you know, were in there, and Phoebe was just the dog, man. Yeah. She was just the one we loved. Yeah, she was winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, yeah Gr Lee Gremlins came right after this. Yeah. I mean, ah, oh. she was just because she was, again, it's like the girl next door. She wasn't yeah. like, it was a cute, beautiful. I mean, she wasn't like, yeah, like hot, but she was. She I mean, was hot. I gotta say, she was pretty hot. I think she's pretty beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you know, like, and and I, I guess that was maybe like a dicey. Didn't you, we talked about earlier? They're gonna like rate it. It was gonna be like an X-rated film too. So yeah, like the topless it, scene it like initially that, like, got an X rating, and it wasn't because of Phoebe. There was a, the sex scene with with Stacey Hamilton and Mike Damone um, was much more graphic in the pool house, and it was full, <laughs> full frontal, frontal from both. <laughs> yeah, and it was awkward as as the scene was anyway, but it was longer, and they came back with an X rating, and they said you got to you know. Cut this out and I, that's part of like life like right yeah. growing up like i remember not to get too involved in like my personal situations but like some of that shit was awkward when you're yeah. in high school you know like sure you're kind of learning things nobody's as a star go, right out of the gate no. we're not all dirk diggler well, like i don't know about tim piles over here though <laughs> yeah, <but>. thanks <laughs> dirk diggler that's another good movie. But, yeah, uh, and Linda was bullshitting. I mean, come on. that that Her boyfriend, Doug, in Chicago that worked for the airline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she changed her, how long it took for him to, you know, screw around with her. And then, you know, oh, do you climax together or separately? And her answer oh, seemed she, she, bullshit. She knew it all, like, yeah. 
Yeah, she's one of those know-it-alls like Damone, but you really... I just love that because that was what the seniors did, you know? They were there to be the mentors to these people, either to torment them or mentor them. That was a little weird, too, that she was a graduating senior hanging out with like a sophomore or freshman, whatever it is Stacy is. That's a little weird, too. She should have been just hanging out with... Whatever her peers of her she age, she been hanging group. out with senior girls. Because usually you're looking yeah. down on the tenth graders. Yeah, and every guy in the school had to be in love with her. How sure. are you not yeah. taking advantage of that, honey? Honey, yeah, I don't <laughs> know, Come on, honey. She's beautiful, but you know, Kevin Klein came up and swooped her up at the end of the '80s, and then we never saw her again. Like, I mean, she they they have a nice family, they have a couple kids, and God bless them. But they're a nice yeah. family. You've hung out with them? No, but I love <laughs> Kevin Klein and I love Phoebe Cates. But it's maybe just, after they see this, they're gonna invite us over for a barbecue. That would be amazing. That would be incredible. And we could come in blasting, moving on stereo. I'll come in in a pirate's outfit. <laughs> oh, good lord! Yeah, just all torqued up. Being, um, I mean, that film. I mean, Mr. Vargas. Let's talk about him, Vincent Schiavelli, yeah, yeah, the science teacher. <laughs> right, right. So apparently, he was based on a real guy at that school, Claremont High School. Claremont High School. Yeah, I think I had a teacher like that. I think I his name too. was George Jones, maybe, like the country singer. Okay. But he would do shit like that. He would take him to the morgue, and he'd pull body parts out in front of the kids. Yeah. Like, he would take him to the San Diego sewage treatment and stuff like that. He was just a, a he'd had live animals in the room. Right. There's a monkey in a cage at one point <laughs> yeah, in the yeah, movie. Yeah, playing with the monkey. Yeah, and they're playing with a monkey, and I'm like... That ain't like my science class. Everything did you dissect was dead. a frog or sheep eyeballs? I did. Yeah, school? we did okay. frogs. Frogs, yeah. But it was like, there wasn't a live monkey in my science class. No. Maybe in California, but... Well, there wasn't that guy's, apparently. I don't think at Claremont <laughs> there was, but... They're, they're, they're mostly derelicts, he says. Like, who are these people? <laughs> they're mostly derelicts. They sell their body. Yeah, maybe 25 bucks. That guy, <laughs> uh, the doctor that's doing that scene with him, that's actually Martin Brest. He's a, he's a film director that was dating Amy Heckerling at the time. And he, he did Beverly yeah, Hills yeah. Cop and uh, Scent of a Woman and uh, Midnight Run. Like, he's actually a really good director, but he's that doctor in the hospital. Doing a yeah. little acting, and this is super creepy. This is one of the. This is There's one a of the, lot of creepy. This, this scenes, is one of the actually. macabre parts. Right. Okay, I'm gonna. This is. It's in the closing credits. So, uh, Mr. Uh, the science teacher, uh, Vincent Schiavelli, Mr. Vargas. So you remember he introduces his wife to a couple of the guys at the yeah. dance at the end. <laughs> yeah, that's Lana Clarkson. Um, so in the movie, there's Winter Wonderland, the song, and that's uh, produced by Phil Spector. Phil Spector, yeah. 20 years after this movie, killed Lana Clarkson. Oh, what? The woman who, the blonde, who is Vincent Schiavelli's wife, the, the, that he the, introduces to the two guys. The two guys, and yeah. Yeah, her name is Lana Clarkson. She, 20 years later, she was a House of Blues worker that met Phil Spector one night at the House of Blues in L.A., and he took her to his house and shot her. So the murderer wow. and his victim are in the closing credits of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's creepy. That's a little macabre, That's it's there. I, yeah, I never would have known that, but that is pretty wild. Huh? That's super creepy. I got invited to his birthday party once before all that. I kind of wish I would have gone. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, you should have gone. I know. <laughs> but, and uh, then, yeah, just hidden down there in the bottom of the cast, you've just got all these people. You've got Nick Cage running around there as Nick Coppola. Yeah. you got Eric Stoltz. Right. Yeah. Taylor Negron shows up to deliver the pizza. Yeah, Taylor he's, Negron. He's, he's a Taylor. pizza guy in a couple different movies, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, and he's the mailman <laughs> in Better Off Dead, and yeah. he's just he, it's the bad guy in Last Boy Scout. He's just yeah. amazing. I love Taylor Negron. Uh, when I went to a Better Off Dead uh, reunion a few years ago screening in L.A., that moment when he walks out on the screen as the mailman, the whole theater erupted. Like He was a <laughs> really popular guy in Hollywood. You know, God rest his soul. 
Yeah. Um, Stu Nahan shows up, surfer, yeah, yeah. surfing guy, talking about what he's interviewing Spagoli. Wide world of sports thing. Uh-huh. So in the... Where'd I, you get this jacket? <laughs> guy, come on. I think in the book, it was supposed from to be... the network. He had a dream about Johnny Carson, and he's singing ACDC or something. But Johnny Carson wanted no part of this right, movie. Right. So they couldn't his use loss. him. They hit up uh, Tom uh, What's-His-Face, and he had just got canned at the time. And then apparently they asked David Letterman, and Letterman was okay with it, but I guess maybe his producers weren't or something. Hmm. So they just ended up going with that angle with Stu Nahan and, you know. And Nancy Wilson in the in the Corvette. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, Miss Hart herself was dating Cameron Crowe at the time. Well, they were married for many years, and uh, yeah, she got that cameo pulling up in the ride and laughing at Brad in his pirate's outfit. And, and you didn't know that was her. I didn't either until he said you know, that. I knew she looked familiar. I maybe it would have been if I actually rewatched this film this time, but I'll have to admit <laughs> I've I've seen this film so many times, so I know this one pretty good. But yeah, I did when reading in my research, I rewrote read that, and I was like, oh. And yeah. then uh, the, you, we do see the boss uh, a couple times, a couple references to the boss, uh, Bruce Springsteen. Brad is a fan. There's a Springsteen <laughs> sticker on sure, Sheldon, sure. yeah, on the uh, cruising vessel. Has a name, Sheldon. The cruising vessel. <laughs> it's Sheldon, yeah. It's in the credits. It says cruising vessel, yeah. Sheldon. So there's a Springsteen sticker on there. And then in the final Mighty Mart scene, you see Brad wearing a Bruce Springsteen t-shirt underneath his uniform. And his, oh. his little sister, Pamela Springsteen, is Dina, one of the cheerleaders. She's the brunette cheerleader. And apparently in real life, Sean Penn had a crush on her during the filming of this and asked her out. And they dated for a little bit. So true story. True Pretty story. Funny. A lot you know of little what, details, huh? Yeah. You know what else is a true story? What's that? Cameron Crowe has been to the Casbah. He has. I've I, seen I him. I got to meet him. I took my picture with him. When he was here, yeah. they were doing uh, just, what was it? Almost Famous up at the old Globe here. Yes. And wow. so at the end of the run, they, a bunch of them came down here and hung out. I was out, with you he here, here that night. I do remember seeing Cameron yeah. on the floor. I, what was the show? I, I was don't know trying if it to even it mattered out. what show it was. They yeah. just came to the Casbah, I think. Okay. I don't think it... Yeah, I think it was just because the show, the the play was okay. done, the musical was yeah, done. Yeah, I remember he was with some people from the play, and every, they were out on the floor, and you were talking to him, but That's I didn't amazing. remember what the band was. Keanu's been here. Oh, yeah. I, he was Crow. recently here, right? A couple months ago. That's another good one, too, Point Break. We already, someone already, well, we already did, did Point Break. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to it in a while, maybe, yeah. but not right away. Yeah. Uh, so the, this we've already talked about how talented this cast was. It's so crazy, all the people that ended up in the movie. So you can imagine how crazy the casting what-ifs were. Sure. Right. The craziest one is on the directing level, because Amy Heckerling is doing her first movie here. So Amy goes on to do, like, the Look Who's Talking movies a few years later, and those make a lot of money for her. But where she really nails it home is when she does Clueless in the mid-'90s. Okay. That was the one that she revisited the teen thing, and that really put her over yeah. the top. So this was, like, her first, her first movie. feature yep. kind of film, right? Yep. They actually asked David Lynch. Yeah. Can you imagine <laughs> David Lynch's Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Holy I mean, shit. I'm glad that didn't happen, though. No, honestly. it would have been like, terrible. Yeah. yeah, It would have been surreal and weird and not placed in reality. Right. Not at all. <laughs> or relatable to it. So they went into some of the... just. Here's just some of the names that came in and tried out for this. Ralph Macchio. <laughs> he wanted too much money. <laughs> Matthew Broderick. Michelle Pfeiffer. Elizabeth Shue, Ali Sheedy, here's my favorite, Diane Lane. Huh. I know Diane Lane tried out for the Jennifer Jason Lee part because she would have been the same age. 
I would have absolutely loved Diane Lane as Stacey Hamilton. I think that one, no disrespect to Jennifer Jason, she nailed it. She nailed yeah. it. Yeah, she, nailed she nailed it. it. But I think Diane Lane would have been amazing. I mean, she's just, she's my other jam besides Phoebe, too. I love Diane Lane. So. Jennifer was better because she's, I think, more virginly. More believable. As a Maybe. virgin. <laughs> but, well, even like um, um, Damone says, she's, she's, a very, she's very aggressive. So yeah. she, was, she was, you know, a, a virgin. She just I wanted guess, like, to learn fast. At some point, but yeah. But that also, you know, like, you can relate hey, to that. Like, you know, like, I remember. That's life, man. Yeah. And unfortunately, like, men and women, the hormones happen. And it was all, all over the popular he, culture at the time. If you were a virgin, you were a L7 loser. Right, like, right. I hate yeah. that they put that pressure on us when we were young, but it was. Your friends would make fun of you. You would yeah. lie about it. Sure, sure. I mean, I lied. I didn't. I was out of high school by the time it happened, but I lied all through high I'm, school about I'm it. I'm still a virgin. <laughs> That's why you work out a lot. That's why, yeah. So do, yeah. is that a big thing then with kids anymore? Good Lord. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know. To lose your virginity. I would hope they don't have to make it as, as much pressure as we did. But even like she 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 bangs, she bangs. So the guy likes her, right? She bangs his friend. I remember being in like situations like that myself in high school and going like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Like, you know, I liked her, you know? Yeah. Like, and they like, have that almost fight like, in the shower. Right. Yeah. Th that same thing him. happened to me, uh, dude. Like <laughs> Again, yeah. Not to say, yeah, that's very relatable. Totally. <laughs> I yeah. do like when Damone came up to him and apologized at the final dance. Yeah. And he and you know and, what? And this is what was cool. Rat unloads on him and says, You're mis you're untrustworthy, you're a piece of shit, and just and dumps on him. It. And he just says, Yep. He and he says, it. can yeah. we still be friends? Yeah. That's the moment that you kind of like Damone a little yeah. bit. That's why I'm saying it. he's a complicated character because he's such a just bag of shit throughout most of the movie. And then he just well, has he these apologizes. little moments. He yeah. apologizes. You know, he, I'm a big fan. If you ever do somebody wrong, you should apologize, no matter what it may be. Fucking apologize. Yeah. yeah. It like, doesn't hurt anything. No. It doesn't make you less of a man to nah, do it. Not at all. On the contrary. I'm sorry, Graham. <laughs> I was like, what about uh, you know remember what you that did. one time, Piles? <laughs> We're not supposed to talk about Cincinnati piles. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, Orion, for irritating you so much. I love it. The final I quiz. <laughs> did you see that? Did you notice that? I, the, so the whole end is just great because you get them doing their final exams. They're all cheating except for Ratner. Did you notice <laughs> yeah. that everybody's looking at the sheet or the person next to them? <laughs> Nobody studied. Dude, that's another thing, too. Like, you, can you relate to that? Yeah, I can. Of can so, you? Yeah. Like, I even got caught like, once. But yeah. like, even like some of like the ways they were cheating were just like so creative. Going like, you if you would have just studied, put the amount of time you put into like cheating, you probably could have just like passed the test. You know, like the guy had like the cheat sheet on the back of his sunglasses. Yeah, the girl had it written on her thighs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty funny. I like the where they sum it all up at the end, and everybody has like their little story wrapped up when they do that in the film yeah. that was a universal thing um they'd done that with animal house a couple years yep, earlier yeah. right but it, it's just amy a... didn't want that in the movie no. but universal insisted on it and let's get into universal for a second because fuck those guys they fuck had, those guys yeah dude. they had no faith in this movie they rolled it out only on the west coast they did a regional thing which by then was dying but they still pulled that crap the universe, so Universal, we dealt with Universal a few weeks ago with Repo Man right? in the early 80s. They were in trouble. They were screwing things up. They were changing the heads that were running the studio. They weren't showing faith in the projects they were greenlighting. And they didn't have any faith in Fast Times. They thought it was going to come out and bomb. They right. thought this, this material is too adult. It's just going to stiff. 
and of course they release it regionally and it's it's a hit right away no and then, pun and then they roll it stiff. out <laughs> and they <laughs> roll it stiff. out to the east coast and then it, it makes yeah. you know it, it's five million to make and it makes almost 30 like i guess they did a test run uh showed some people in orange county and the, the young people came back and they were all oh, we're not they we're not in orange like county, that. Yeah? we're not we're not all sex drugs and rock and roll and they but that time orange county was a much more conservative enclave more or less and they right. said well, that's not our target audience, and thank right. you. They didn't base, you know, some of the release but on Universal that. But Universal just really had their heads up their ass at that moment, and Amy even talks about it. She's like, they were giving me four million, five million to do this movie, and they were wheeling out like twenty-eight million to do the best little whorehouse in Texas at the time, yeah. because that was their big money project. Because Burt yeah. was still hot, and yeah. Dolly was coming over huge at yeah, that yeah. moment those are so mainstream they, movies yeah they were putting seven times the money into that movie and that turned out to be a piece of crap <laughs> and then she makes this hit on a seventh of the budget and and it was her first it's her movie. first movie right. and there's, there's even an in joke there they put it in the movie uh when when damone first comes over to rat near the beginning and he says like uh dolly martin Dolly Parton paying you some of your salary or something like that because they're showing Best Little Whorehouse in Texas at the at, at the, the mall at the theater mall. Yeah, uh, I got you. And then at the end of the movie when oh, they shit. and the, yeah, no, and at okay. the end of the movie when they show Rat in front of the theater and Stacy's motioning for him to come over and get her picture. Yeah, it's the thing is on the, uh, is is now showing. I loved no it. No way. I loved it. Yeah, little oh. John Carpenter love in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got to talk about the soundtrack before we get out of here. Of course. Do you have any favorite songs on the soundtrack? I mean, I, I said it, moving yeah, and it's it's moving like I, yeah. I did um after uh, uh oh shit Rick Rick Ocasek passed away a couple years ago I got asked to do a Cars tribute thing at the Belly Up up the road here so I had some friends that did a thing and each person got to pick a car song I'm a big fan of the Cars I had to pick that song yeah like and a part of it has to do with that scene in that movie it's yeah. not just the titties like we all love that but like <laughs> but like. <laughs> it's it's hilarious and it's awesome and for so many reasons and that and song relatable. is so great it's relatable <laughs> i guess you know like but yep. the song is just like and the way it starts out and she's getting out of the pool slow motion like with just like the you know i always thought you were cute brad <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> and like and like the sleigh bells coming in like yeah so that's huge the the beginning of the film before you even see anything or you might see like a um See the uh, Universal logo. You see the Universal logo, and what do you hear? You know, like, I'm like that to me, kind of like I fucking love the Go Go's too. Like that oh, fires me up. So it was a like, real cultural phenomenon when that band hit, and like mm -hmm. in La Jolla, I just remember every girl. I mean, it was just everywhere. Like nothing, yeah. nothing like it had come before. Or after that, it was just it was a change in the tide. Yeah. From the rock to now, this this is what's going on all of a sudden. And, and, and that's girl not, band. And that's yeah. not supposed to be there. That's supposed to be raised on radio from the Ravens, which is they were the studio was convinced was going to be a huge hit, and they ended up using it in the scene where he's washing the car. And it's a crappy song, and yeah. I we're so happy they dumped it. Yeah. And Amy Heckerling was too. She was thrilled. Like she did not want that to be the opening song. Um, somebody's baby, Jackson Brown. I mean, yeah, that like, is the sound of Gen X losing its virginity. Like uh, uh, Ryan mentioned to us earlier, he was in the grocery store yesterday and heard that song and immediately starts <laughs> thinking about that. Right. Like right. you can't hear that Ryan. song and not thinking about a young girl losing her virginity on a baseball bench. Like <laughs> in the it, dugout with, what was it? Let's reading say, like, surf like, Nazis surf on the Nazis. wall. <laughs> like that song is that indelible. 
you just it's impossible to hear it without thinking of yeah. that scene um, american girl tom petty like that scene too first it's day like, school yeah yeah like first yeah. day they're, they're this movie like, is genius in where it put the songs at. I think that truly. we I, that's where I think this movie's special gift is, is not only that they got these songs, but they used them in just all the right places. The Stevie Nicks song, Sleeping Angel. It's, it's you know, her, I mean, we all love Stevie. Yeah. How do you think that proposal went down when they went to her and said, you know, this is a comedy we're doing here, but we want you to do this song for the abortion part of the movie. <laughs> Like, you think you think they actually well they must have like explained to her hey this is the premise of this is where we're gonna place this song yeah because like, the whole four minute sequence there is her song playing and it's really beautiful and it really fits the scene sure and they just nailed it once again goodbye goodbye at the end oingo yeah. boingo yeah. I mean they just knew where to put all the right songs I in all wish the right the, places the Don Henley Eagles some of that or whatever wasn't there and it could have been it. leaning a little more 80s with I the go-go's and oingo so here was the mashup they wanted the 80s amy heckerling and yeah, cameron yeah. crow both wanted the 80s what happened was if you look at who the producer of this film is it's irving azoff right he is the manager of the eagles right right straight right. up oh, there you go the little guy nepotism, who, huh? yep the guy who paid for the movie manages the eagles so if you wonder why timothy b schmidt and glenn fry mm -hmm. and don hanley and don felder and and all these guys, and then there's Life in the Fast Lane. Then yeah, why there's so many damn yeah. Eagles songs on this thing? Well, the I like the, I like the Eagles too. You know, I might yeah, have I hate some the Eagles, friends. but you know who I love? I love Joe <laughs> Walsh. Joe yeah. Walsh solo stuff, I love. And, but you know, Don Henley must die. Amy didn't want him in there. Like she did not want that music in there. She hates it. She even laughs at the end of the movie when Timothy B. Schmidt's song comes on, and it's not terrible. It it really does capture though that essence of what was going on. Like it. The 70s are ending. But it's holding the 80s over. Are beginning. But it's not letting go. But, like, and I feel like that it, those movies are sometimes around that time yeah. period, if they're trying to be contemporary, in the, that 79, 82, they're kind of forward, looking forward yeah. and back at the right. same time. You know, this almost. always happens at the end of decades and the mm -hmm. beginning of decades. Because yeah. the stuff at the end of the 80s did not sound like the 80s anymore. It kind of started sounding like 90s. And, right, then, right. and then, then it happened again yep. at the millennium. Yep. So this always happens. But yeah. it's just very obvious on the schizophrenic soundtrack because there's these 70s bands and then there's these 80s bands. And it's kind of a little bit weird. But had Amy had, Amy had her way, you would have had the Buzzcocks and Elvis Costello and all those bands. Right. She wanted those yeah. bands. Well, again, like you got to think like and in, in, talked about the, the rooms, just like attention to detail in these films. It's pretty cool shit. Like, oh, yeah. All the posters. Somebody put that in there with intention. Yeah. You know, like there's what's the what's the big cheerleading movie that was based here in San Diego? Bring it on? Yeah. <laughs> Her bedroom is filled with uh, San Diego bands. Is it? And, uh, yeah. Man, I haven't seen that one in forever. We need to do a bring it on. We going to have a girls' night, Tim? Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> you should. I'm not afraid of that. You shouldn't be. <laughs> well, the film's amazing, and it shaped my yeah. life, and I can watch that, and it can take me back to my youth of being, you know, 15 years old and, and sharing those experiences. Thankfully, I've never had to deal with an abortion on any level my own or to but any of it you know it's amazing to There's some heavy revisit, content really, revisit yeah. all of it and what about the um doesn't anybody knock anymore scene have you ever had to deal with that <laughs> ask my wife <laughs> 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 or my mom now oh god I don't think my mom ever caught me you go visit handcock memorial did you guys get that one when they go no. to the hospital and when they walk out of the building, it's not called Hancock Memorial. Hand. It's called Hand, Hand with a D in the middle, Cock Memorial. <laughs> they slipped a little masturbation joke in there for there the name of go. the hospital. Yeah. There's all these little details. And Mr. Man. Hand. Aloha, Mr. Hand. <laughs> you dick.
That's like Cameron Crowe's favorite line in the movie, by the way. Yep. I love when Spicoli takes out the van shoe and bam, 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 beats on his head. He goes, I'm so wasted. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, seminal lines, ones you repeat for the rest of your life. Songs that have been ruined maybe a little bit because all of a sudden it takes you to that place. And, you know, I'll admit even I might be watching the movie at home and that song comes on. And I just I'll just change it because I know my wife is triggered <laughs> by the song <laughs> right. maybe too. But oh, she'll know what I'm watching. I'm going to turn it now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Music and film are hand in hand, in my opinion. And this is like a good, good example of like, I thought the soundtrack was great it's an amazing you know, soundtrack like, yeah. and like how where they place songs in certain scenes like it just really worked for me you Absolutely. know so i just liked it. it was it felt real it felt relatable it's not like there's a lot of movies like that's why we love well maybe not repo man is pretty surreal but uh, these films are they have a grit to them they they are like right. they're steeped a little bit more in reality and that's why judge reinhold is like the dude that lives next door down the street or phoebe cates you know she's not like supermodels but she's she was a model though like, gorgeous it's different i <laughs> right. mean you put her next. it's just different she's she's cute not beautiful i don't know how to it's different it's different she's the girl next door there's a difference between the girl next door and the supermodel but even like could get like a kind of deeper level perhaps if you don't mind um every character had like you could see just different personalities and of course all the different characters and like how i would almost look at like how would this person grow up right. you know what i mean brad of course he's chasing that like he, he, he wants to work for a corporation. He's got to be a manager. You know? like, he's going to be a manager. He's got yeah. management material written all over him. You knew Linda was going to get taken care of. She was she's, trying to find a trophy husband. Right. right. You don't have, but that's the beauty of the end of the film. They, they, it's all wrapped up. and You don't have to imagine where they... Right? Right. Damone right. gets busted scalping Aussie tickets. Yeah, works at 7-Eleven. <laughs> and then... Uh, oh, shit. Well, well, yeah, no, but Coley wastes all his money on Van Halen playing the concert. He saved Brooke Shields from drowning. Yes, yeah, and then blew the money on his yeah. birthday. So the rat character, I guess, in real life, the guy that that was based on, wrote some of the um, For Dummies series, oh. like Computers for Dummies, right. whatever for Dummies. There you go. I guess the yeah. real life Ratner wrote some of those books in real. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, and I, I thought there's a kind of a strange little beauty in like Spicoli's, like at the very end, you know, at the very end scene. I know we're wrapping this up, but uh, before. Uh, Brad saves the day, you know. Yeah. With the cock throwing the coffee in the in the guy's face, he's like, "Why don't you get a job, Spicoli?" And Spicoli's just like straight up, like, "Well, what for? <laughs> what for?" Because he doesn't need one. Like he does, he's happy doing what he's doing. And yeah. I, I think everybody at some point can relate to that too, you know. Especially yeah. Here. You know, Whatever Mark Hamill, I think, went to Claremont High School briefly. You know, Mark Hamill, uh, Luke Skywalker lived in that area briefly. You know, there's uh, Mark Hamill Drive up there. In Claremont, mm. did you, did you know, know that? that? I did not know that. A few years ago, before COVID, they, he showed up and they christened the street. Mm. He could have been in that movie. I can't wait for a Tim Pyle Street. There you go. <laughs> Pyle you know Drive. What's gonna happen? Call um, it the name Pyle of the alley driver. after I'm you. Call it the Pyle <laughs> Driver. <laughs> well, here's something exciting to to say about that. Do uh, you know where Coles Mountain is? Coles Mountain, you oh, know yeah, the big yeah, mountain yeah, out yeah. there that everybody hikes. There's a yeah. series of five peaks. You can do the five peak trail. I've grown up in San Diego since 1970. At one point, I discovered that one of those peaks is called Piles Peak, as in my last name. But my family's not with from here. With P Y L E S. Oh shit. Um, but it has nothing to do with my family. But I lay claim to it. It has uh, to do with some engineer that designed roads back there. That guy, and dude. it has nothing to do with this podcast. But it's <laughs> an kidding, interesting kidding, bit of tidbit history about San Diego. So, um, any chance that the Bloody Hollies would be doing anything that you'd be involved with that? 
Um, I would love to say yes. I know. Well, Wes is—he's back in Buffalo. He moved um, back to Buffalo. New York, Wes is where back the band in Buffalo. Originally from, yeah. He still owns a house here. He has, oh, okay. He's got a house in Escondido. I think he rents out. Um, I haven't spoken with him unfortunately in a while, but uh, Joey's still here. The other guy, yep. and 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 um, I speak with Joey all the time. He's a good good buddy, and and I would love to say yeah, maybe maybe for the Casbah reunion or not reunion anniversary parties, maybe if. You guys want to do a Bloody Holly show? I'm sure Wes would come out for it. Nice. We'll have so, to pitch that idea to him, yeah. But Matt Bennett's been our guest today, legendary musician in San Diego, excited for the new band. Is there a certain way to say the new band? Steve. Steve. <laughs> uh, featuring Scott Hackwith of Dig. You're also now the drummer for Dig. Yeah, Dig's Scott. putting out new music here soon. And yeah. Steve will be playing a show November 21st here. Yeah, I'd love to see you guys there. That'd and be amazing. I, I know you as one hell of a as a one hell of a production manager. Yes, oh, thank you. Thank From you. From <laughs> various rooms around, I've worked yeah. for you at at a all ages venue we used to have here in town at a local church, and it was pretty fun. And yeah, and you were a hell of a production manager, man. I thanks, man. I salute I appreciate you. that. Yeah, and you're on at a new spot now. You got a new one, and yeah, and yeah. you're still making it happen. It's guys like you that make these shows happen every single night that these people are giving oh, their money and time it's to. It's guys like you and you. I, I mean, we all do the same thing. It's very, as you know, very yeah. thankless sometimes, but these shows production don't managers, work without you work people. your ass off. You really do. Like you guys are among the first there. You're among the last to leave. Yeah. Like you guys don't get your due. And, and I just, I want to give I it to you. I just want to get a job at all American burger now. <laughs> <laughs> I hear they got spots for managers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Matt, you're a great friend. Thanks, I've, I've known you a long time and uh, super fun to have you here with oh, us you know, today I'm... and stoked to, to book Steve. Steve. So let's look do forward it. to yeah, that. A bunch of other different projects we're doing, doing a cumbia project, yes. you know, um, so we'll see how that goes once it gets off the ground. And of course, you guys know I love you. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, this is such a cool, cool idea. I love it. Can't wait to see it. Progress. Thank you. Absolutely. And you Circle know I love you guys. <laughs> is that what we're doing? Cue moving in stereo. <laughs> see what happens. Sorry. That was I just want to get Jeff, Jeff Doom coming here without a shirt on. Somebody got a naked picture of Phoebe? Hey. Oh, man. She's still Probably. alive. She yeah. probably looks just as good as she always has. But. She's probably gorgeous. She's still I'm married sure. to Kevin Klein? Yeah, they're still married. You said they ah. had a lovely family. They have two kids. She hasn't done movies in years. I mean, he literally whisked her away to a mountain somewhere else and just squirreled her away like a chestnut. Yeah. And she's she just like forever will be that person and character. That's what's so interesting. How many years later now? This is crazy. Good Lord. 40. Yeah, don't bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Soundcheck Flicks. Smash the like button. Follow us Twitter, Instagram. Smash that shit. What other social media are we on, Graham? Are we Boom. on social media? We're on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook. I mean, that shit. But What's our, what's our Instagram handle? Soundcheck, Soundcheck underscore right Flicks. Yeah. One word? It's all one word. Okay, Soundcheck one Flicks. Word. Soundcheck Follow Flicks. us and tell a friend. Um, I'm Graham Stevens. He's Tim Piles. Thanks for watching. <laughs> And listening. Peace. <laughs> Hello, SCF fans. It's uh, Soundcheck Flicks. And next week on the show, a truly disturbing film. Is it a horror film? Is it a supernatural thriller? It is The Exorcist. Tune in and find out who our guest is. It will not be Graham Stevens. Well, he'll be there. The sow is mine. Fuck me! <laughs>